KFNC and KFNC HD2, Mont Bellevue, Houston. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Decoy, here now are The Killer Bees, Jill Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. Joe George behind the glass packet gal. Andrew Carlson on site as we broadcast live from the decoy in Spring Branch. Grand opening of this place tomorrow. You can already see the beauty of it. Wall-to-wall televisions. They also have the... Uh, the sand volleyball courts outside. This can be a, a great spot, and it all opens up tomorrow. Really, really cool atmosphere. And then you can still got you know you got all the TVs everywhere, so you can catch all the football all weekend long. But you can you know you get your volleyball on, and then come on inside and get your sports on. It's a fantastic environment. It is. It is. Uh, yesterday was a fantastic environment at the Toyota Center as the Houston Rockets uh, hosted LeBron James and the LA Le- uh, Lakers. Dignitaries were out there. You saw the uh, Akeem with the, the uh, what do they call them, the NBA City jerseys, which were awesome, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dunkernaut is, uh, is a hit. Clyde was there. Big E was there. C.J. Stroud was there missing his first shot. Yeah, he missed that. But uh, the, the Rockets yesterday beating the Lakers, they've been on this hot streak as of late. Ime Adoka doing his thing. And I don't want to get hyperbolic after a few games and the Rockets being above 500, although you did beat – uh, two teams the last three games that you thought would finish ahead of you in the Western Conference standings. But I will say this. The Houston Rockets yesterday returned to NBA relevance. A big game. LeBron's coming into town. You have the rivalry with Dylan Brooks. You sell out Toyota Center. Everybody's there to watch it. All eyes are on you, and the game's over by the time it's the fourth quarter. I don't know if the Rockets are going to make the playoffs. I don't know how great this young core is going to be, but yesterday the Rockets returned to NBA relevance for the first time since they traded James Harden. Look, Jimmy, there's so many different ways to look at this game and this angle, and I'm curious your thoughts because glass half full, says you just beat the Sacramento Kings twice and the Lakers once, and, and you've beaten playoff teams, and, and you're, you're handling your business like you haven't handled in three, four years. Now, Glass Half Empty says you beat Sacramento in two games without De'Aaron Fox, and you beat the Lakers without Anthony Davis. So you can look at it from either perspective, but the biggest thing from a Rockets relevancy standpoint is they wouldn't have probably have they would have been the other team in, bo- in all three of these games last year, the year before, and the year before that. They had gotten their ass handed to them by about 20 to 30 points. They They'd have been done by halftime, and they'd have been thinking about where they're going after the game because they wouldn't have. No one would have had any discipline for them. They would have had any control, and, and they would have just been like, "Yep, another game in the NBA. So be it." So I'm curious your thoughts because Fox and, and Anthony Davis didn't play. Yeah, I don't know how significant those wins are. I, I couldn't tell you. Like the fact that they don't have Fox is a big deal. The fact that the Lakers don't have Davis is a big deal. That's why I can't sit here and say, "Yeah." You know, the Rockets were supposed to finish behind Sacramento, behind L.A. Because they beat them, they're going to finish ahead of them. Because I don't know what the Lakers are going to look like. They did miss the playoffs last year. I don't know what Sacramento's going to look like. These games were at home. It's a little different whenever you're out in the West Coast and you're on the road. So my biggest takeaway, you know, aside from everybody's playing really good, Ime Adoka looks to be like the real deal. Jalen Green is playing some really good basketball. Alpi Shingun looks like a guy that you can go through. Uh, offensively. Jabari's coming along. The veterans, yeah, you gave them a lot of money, but the veterans are doing exactly what you wanted them to do. Look, they might go on a West Coast trip and lose four or five. Uh, they, could, they could, at the end of this whole deal, miss a play-in game. 
But the Houston Rockets are a serious team. They have a serious head coach. They have a serious starting five. The starting five is pretty good. It is. Uh, bench, you know, you got uh, you got Tari Eason back yesterday. He obviously helped you a lot. Amin Thompson at some point, you want to get him back. That's going to help your bench out as well. But the Rockets are real. The, the Rockets are a real NBA team. Are they going to be a six seed? I don't know. Are they going to be a team that's in the play on uh, the play-in game and gets in? I don't know. But they have a real head coach. They have a real roster. Yesterday felt like a real NBA game again in this city. The stars were out. And I'm happy that we're watching a return to relevance for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, the way I looked at it after all was said and done was I can't control what the other teams do or don't have on their available roster. But what I can control is the fact that I'm watching a team that's entertaining again. I'm watching a system on both ends of the floor that I haven't seen since maybe Rick Adelman. I, you know, I'm trying to name the last relevant head coach that actually ran an offensive system and maybe had some remnants of a defensive philosophy. I'm watching guys that look like they're now dialed in. They're not turning the ball over carelessly, running iso play after iso play, not getting back on defense, not doing the things an NBA team is supposed to do night in, night out. This is a true NBA professional basketball team again, and these young kids are finally getting taught, coached, and reeled in to where they're playing in a system both offensively and defensively that you can enjoy watching when you yeah. watch basketball. Look, look, the Lakers weren't very good last year. Like I don't, they, they might not be good this year. Would it surprise you if Anthony Davis misses thirty games? No. Would it surprise you if they missed the playoffs? Not, not really. You would think that a LeBron James team would missing the playoffs would shock you, but not, not really. And the sac- like you mentioned with Fox, like you miss both games, you don't know how good the Rockets are. But I- look, whenever you play an NBA team, the game's over by the fourth quarter. Like that's kind of catches your attention. And then the way they're doing it too, like they're playing a team defense, they're caring defensively, they're moving the ball. There's a game plan going in where okay, Lakers don't have any rim protection. Let's go to Alpi and let's let Jalen Green attack the rim because there's not a rim protector. Like this is a real NBA team. And I've been really impressed with Jalen Green. I think if you throw Jalen Green's first game out, which I think is fair to do, because he missed the entire preseason. Like he didn't play the. I think he played the first game, missed every game after that with that toe probably after a bad manicure or pedicure or whatever one's the feet. But since that first game, he's been really good. He's been, he scored 20 points in every game with the exception of one. He only took 10 shots in the game where he scored 10 points. He's been incredibly efficient. He's getting to the rim. He's, his shot selection's much better, so his shooting percentage has gone up. I mean, I think the Rockets have two legitimate scoring threats with Jalen Green and Alpi Shingun. Well, and I think those two guys are the poster children for this team maturing and growing up and, and getting it on the NBA level. Because when you look at both guys, you look at Alpi, Alpi's defense, and he's never going to be a great defender. But he's already understanding switching and rotating and things that he should have been taught for the last several years since he's been in the league that no one even thought about trying to stress with him. They just thought about benching him every time he didn't do something you're supposed to do in the NBA. And from a Jalen Green perspective, this is what you're seeing when you say a talent growing up before your eyes. Because before he was running isos, if he thought he got fouled or missed a shot, he wasn't getting back. It was like James Harden Jr. And you got frustrated watching him play. To see him be as efficient as you spoke about, to see him get back on defense and care about rotating out on the perimeter, stopping a guy from driving on his way to the basket, those are things that you say, you look at and you see, oh, Coach Adoka's got these guys playing a different way, and that's what makes it more fun to watch. And that's the thing that Jalen needs. Like he, he has the skill set. He has talent. He's capable of knocking down an open shot. He's capable of breaking down a defender. He's capable of attacking the rim. And I think he's pretty good at finishing at the rim, too, he, with either hand. He had the one at the end of the, uh, the third quarter where he kind of went up and under, finished with the offhand. And like, man, there's not many people in the league that are capable of doing that and then breaking you down and hitting a three in your face uh, off the dribble. 
what what he has done really you know good at, and I think that this is credit to the coaching staff is okay. Let's eliminate the sloppiness. Let's eliminate poor decisions. Let's eliminate turnovers. Let's make you a little bit more efficient. Let's uh, let's work on the shot selection. Let's work about uh, on getting others involved. And Adoka talked about it after the game too. He's like, there was a lot of times where Jalen Green was going into a play and he had already decided what he was going to do. He already decided if he was going to shoot. He already decided if he was going to pass the ball before he ever even got into his move. And he said that the one thing that they're working on with him really, really hard is that they want him to read the game. Hey, we want you to be an aggressive scorer. Go score for us. We need you to do that. But make the right play. And we didn't see that in the first two years of Jalen Green, which shows you the coaching incompetency that they had with Steven Silas. And it's refreshing to see this version of Jalen Green. He needs to let the game come to him and then react as the game comes to him. But the one thing that when you notice about Jalen Green when he has the ball in his hands or when he's making decisions, he has special athleticism and basketball skill not many people have. Yeah. You mentioned the one play. He, he jumps as high as anybody in the league, and once he gets up, he can hang for a while. That up and under play, not many guys can hang long enough. And also with the touch that he has, I know that Ryan Hollins went over the top in talking about some of the ways he uses English and, and referring to him as maybe the best in the game at doing it. Let's slow that down a little bit. But Clyde Drexler was one of those guys that could put spin on the ball from anywhere around the basket and get that ball to finish around the rim. He has signs already he can do those things, but from a basketball athleticism standpoint, he's doing things that not many guys in this league can do if he just hones it in and keeps it within the system. Yeah, I think that's the that's the thing that he has to be able to uh, to do. And I, we've seen it in the last few games. I think it's really really good to see. But it's also going to be a team that like it's going to be dependent on the night. It's going to be dependent on the matchups. Like one night might be a Jalen Green night where Jalen Green's going to have to go give you twenty five. There might be a night where you have a really good wing on ball defender. Um, and they're kind of hedging towards Jalen Green, where you're going to have to make some good passes. Jabari might have to hit open shots. Uh, yesterday you saw a little bit of the Lakers throwing double teams at Alpi Shingun. I wonder if more teams start doing that to Alpi Shingun, because right now he's feasting one-on-one. If you're going to play him one-on-one, go to the post, let him, go, let him cook. I think more teams are eventually going to double-team him, but that's the beauty of this team and this starting five. Anybody can get you on any given night. Well, plus, I like this team a lot. I do, too. And, and the thing that you and I talked about last year that was so frustrating to watch was one guy would come down the floor and run an ISO for, by himself. Whether he got it or not, either, either KPJ or, or uh, Jabari would say, well, it's my turn next. Yeah. And it would be a three-man rotation of isolation plays that got you nowhere. Mm-hmm. As a team... They also that was their offense. So now you see guys that are getting into a sit, running a set when they get down in that half half court offense. Two, they're facilitating through Alpi as much as anybody and compl- and capitalizing on how well he passes the basketball. That's why you can't just double team him on the low block when he comes up to the elbow. He's guys are collapsing on him and he's finding shooters and cutters. And because he's such a good passer. It's tough to stop even when the Lakers really made a conscious effort to try and swarm him. Now, I mean, your point is right. Like, you kind of ha- have to temper a little bit because, you know, you didn't beat a team that's really playoff caliber. Lakers won a playoff team last year. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have Anthony Davis, which, you know, you, you see a lot. Kings, a playoff team, didn't have Fox. Are they a playoff team without Fox? I, I, I don't know. They, they were home games. Rockets are riding a little bit of a, of a heater right now. So what does it look like when they go play at Phoenix? What does it look like when they co-play at Golden State? I'm eager for those games. I'm ready to watch those games. And whenever I say I really like this team, I'm not saying that they're going to be the Western Conference champions and represent the West in the NBA Finals. But the trajectory is up. I think they're more than watchable. I think that they're like – yeah. yesterday was appointment television. No, and that's my- why I mean that they returned to relevance. That's the first time I went home and I said, I need to watch the Rockets tonight. Because every other time it's like, I'll catch up on the DVR whenever I have time. 
home for the Lakers. That was appointment TV for the first time since oh, they had Harden. I wanted to watch it, but what I mean by watchable is they were unwatchable for me except for us doing our job the yeah. last several years. They were hard to watch. Now they're watchable if you have any love for the inside X's and O's of basketball to know that they're, they're running systems. They're running offense and defense. They're playing basketball the way it's supposed to be played in today's NBA, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, it is a, it is a lot of fun to watch. 713-780-ESPN, our HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch, the grand opening tomorrow. You've got to get out of here. Great spot. We'll tell you about it all throughout the, uh, the broadcast as well. Busy show. Lee Sterling's going to hand out winners at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock from Paramount Sports. He wants to, uh, he wants to make you money. And that's, uh, that's the kind of guy that we like. Bad Take Boulevard at 4.30. Who makes the list this week? Uh, also, Dana Brown continuing with this word salad. It's, it's all very weird, but uh, we'll see if we can get any information from these comments from Dana Brown. But when we return, we know the Texans are in Cincinnati this weekend taking on the, uh, the Bengals. Are the Bengals a good comp for what the Texans build can look like? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. First, a moment on Pro Dunk. We were just talking about hoops a little bit. Pro Dunk makes the highest quality goals that you will find. Tempered glass backboard, a breakaway rim, stainless steel hardware, and it is height adjustable. Anywhere from 5 feet to 10 feet. Accessories that are next level. LED light kits for night play. It's night, it gets dark early. It gets late early, as Yogi Berra used to say. We'll get these LED light kits. Uh, that way you can play at night. Backstop nets, pull pad lettering, lots, lots more. Also their new goal, Thor, industry's number one customer rated basketball hoop. 50% heavier versus store brands, and they they ship directly to you, by the way, if you go to the website, ProDunk.com. But this, the new one, the, goal, the, uh, the Thor, they have a lightning adjust. Thor is the first and only hoop available with drill-powered height adjustment. You can lower it from 5 feet all the way to 10 feet in under 10 seconds just by squeezing the trigger of the, uh, the drill. So yeah, get the Thor. Lightning adjust. It's awesome. It's great. Better than anything you'll find in the big box stores. And if you're a little intimidated to install, I understand that. You don't want to do that, which is fine. Let the pros do it. The pros... Pro Dunk Hoops will professionally install your goal at the perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't do a thing. Let the pros at Pro Dunk do all of the work for you. Call now, 281-351-9822, and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive-time sports talk, the Giller Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. We are broadcasting live, the decoy in Spring Branch, grand opening tomorrow. Happy hour from Roostar. Great food. Complimentary food starting at 5. So you want a free dinner? Well, come to the decoy in Spring Branch. They got you covered. Uh, Also, no cover. USC 295 this Saturday. Not many places do that. If you're looking for a spot to watch UFC Saturday night, not pay a cover, this decoy in Spring Branch. College football, they'll have all the college football Saturday, and then uh, Texans, Bengals, and all of the NFL action on Sunday as well. Also giving away four rocket tickets uh, this weekend as well to a game of your choice. Compliments of Tito's Handmade Vodka. So this is your place to be all week. Tomorrow for the grand opening, UFC, college football Saturday, and then your NFL Houston Texan action on Sunday. 713-780-ESPN. Ocho, the Rockets seem to be the quintessential try-hard team because they really don't look much, look like much on paper. They lack size, rim protection, plus defenders individually, and consistent shooting and playmaking. I don't know how they're doing it. I, I don't think that – look, and, and I appreciate and respect Ocho's basketball takes, but I, I don't think that that's very accurate. I, I think that you're talking about a team that's kind of learning a system on the fly. You mentioned it. Green didn't play at all in preseason. Fred Van Vliet's joining a whole new team, a whole new bunch of teammates, and a whole new system. Same with Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, 
and the young guys are trying to adjust on the fly to a new coach, a new system, a new coaching staff, and everything. That's why they laid the egg early with a couple of games where people started saying it's the same old Rockets. It's also the same reason why now, a few weeks into the season, we're looking at this team totally differently going, oh, it's starting to kick in. They're starting to get it. They're starting to have enough practice time to execute it. So I think that it's only going to get better from here. And I'm not saying that with the, with the grandiose expectations. This is a playoff team, no doubt about it. But this is a team that's watchable again. This is a team that is going to play both ends of the floor. And we've said this time and time again. I said it from the minute they got him. They got the best coach that was on the open market. He got the, the, he's the perfect coach for this team, this roster, this, this, uh, this organization. And because he's also going to be the loudest voice in the room, similar to D'Amico, you've got a basketball guy in control of basketball decisions now. And I think that everything is pointing in the upward direction. I, I get Ocho's point. Like I, I don't think Fred Van Vliet's the best point guard in the NBA. Like, he's not probably top five, seven, ten. Like, I, I haven't looked that closely around the league at point guards. Uh, Jalen Green's not a top three, five, seven shooting guard in the NBA. Dylan Brooks is kind of a, a role player where he's going to play really good defense. You hope that he knocks down enough open threes. He has been so far. I thought he actually played his worst game yesterday. He seemed a little out of control. I think, I think the moment got, on Brian. I think so. Yeah. Like, he had that one good defensive play, but he's out of control offensively. sloppy with the ball. I didn't think he played that well. Uh, Jabari, like Jabari's not a top 10 power forward in, in the league, but he's solid, good shooter, can defend a little bit. Uh, Alpi, again, one of your better offensive-minded centers, doesn't play a whole lot of, of defense. But where's the hole? Like, that's the, like there's not really a, a huge weakness in that starting five. Now, you get to the bench, there's some weaknesses there. But whenever you don't have a hole, all of a sudden it's where the sum of all of its parts is better right. than, what's the old saying? Some of the parts is better than the... I can't remember I the exact same, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, pardon my ignorance. Well, for but, a there's no I but there's no I. But there's no hole. But there's a hole. But there's five. an. You know. But but you can say that together everyone achieves more because there's a we. When the we factor comes in, if they need to go defensively, and you can bring a Tari Eason off the bench. If you want more physicality, and you can bring a Tate. When you you know when you've got the veteran presence of a Jeff Green, but you know you're going to start grooming and really start working with uh, Thompson. Uh, you've got pieces all over the place that look like they now fit it's not square pegs round holes and a jigsaw puzzle you can never put together it's the fact that with every passing game in practice more and more continuity means more and more togetherness offensively and defensively and more effectiveness yeah the whole is greater than some of its parts you, you kind of have that feel with the other uh, rockets and in Ime uh, is the the aristotle uh 713-780-ESP at houston texans they play uh they play basketball or they play football this weekend against the Bengals in cincinnati once we're uh, joe burrow and i shared an elevator ride and you know, locked eyes once upon a time. Uh, this Bengals team, we know that, you know, they drafted Burrow. They were not great in Burrow's first year. He got hurt kind of let, the latter part of the year towards ACL. They drafted Jamar Chase, and then went to the Super Bowl uh, the very next year. Uh, I'm not trying to replicate the timeline here, saying that the Texans are a Super Bowl team in 2024. But can the Texans, Nick Casario, D'Amico Ryans, can they look at Cincinnati and look at what they built around Joe Burrow? And is that a fair build that the Houston Texans can try to model themselves after and try to get to a Super Bowl or be a contender within the you know not-too-distant future? No, look, I think that you're right. The timeline doesn't have to be identical and mirror the Bengals because that's, that's pretty, I want to say, impossible 
possible but it's improbable the way it happened for the Bengals as quickly as it did. Uh, but when you look at what the Texans have, and we've said it's the most important position in sports, and now it looks like you have a, a franchise quarterback that has a ton of ability, and so now you're going to start putting the pieces around him. Because of the way you drafted a year ago, because you added a tank, Dell, and even the year before, and you added some primary pieces, you're starting to use your own assets to do the things that you need to do regardless of trades and, and other things that a lot of teams do. I think it's a very good model for them to follow because, look, the, the other thing is Cincinnati is a is renowned for being cheap and, and not wanting to spend money and not wanting to be really aggressive. Well, they did some things because they realized they had a franchise quarterback and they went out and they drafted Chase when they probably should have drafted offensive line. But they got when you started putting together the skill position players like Chase and, and, and uh, Joe Mixon around the fact that you had Joe Burrow and then the, you started building up the defense. You went and got DJ Reader. You got some big bodies and guys you needed because you have money like the Texans. I think that the Texans can follow a, a similar model and they could be very, very productive. Yeah, it was interesting how you know they, they had that first round. They, they got Burrow killed. Like he, Part of the reason that he was getting hammered his rookie season was because the offensive line was so bad. You know, offensive line bad, equal torn ACL. I'm not going to go that far. But it was interesting how they, they drafted Chase. and I, Penny Sewell was the guy that everybody thought they were yeah, going to pick in Lions. that spot. And he's a good player too. Yep. But it, it's interesting how you have franchise quarterback – how do you build around franchise quarterback? And there's more than one ways to cook an egg. But is it is it the protection of the offensive line, or is it that playmaker, that target? I will say that the advantage I think the Texans have over the Bengals at the start of that build. Now, I think since he was probably a little far further along defensively, they had some better pieces. They already had Mixon in-house. I think that what the Houston Texans have in front of, of, of C.J. Stroud that the Bengals didn't in front of, Bur- of Burrow was they have – pieces on the offensive line and the run blocking hasn't been very good as we know but there it's a good pass blocking o-line that has names that has laramie tunsil top three five left tackle in the game titus howard top five paid right tackle maybe not production uh, and is playing out of position right now you spent money on shag mason you know what do you have to do in free agency to you know complete that offensive line i'm not sure that you have to do anything if you believe in jared patterson juice Scruggs. i, I will not mention uh Kenyon green so you already have that line in front of cj stroud going forward i think it's playmakers around him, although I, I kind of like the receivers that they have. And maybe they spend a little bit in the running back room. Uh, but you mentioned like a DJ Reader, somebody that they spent money on. I think they got pretty lucky with Hendrickson, who's turned out to be one of the best defensive ends in all of football. Maybe you need a little bit of luck. But I, I do think that you, that Nick Casario can look at Cincy, see how they built around Joe Burrow, and be like, you know, we, we can model ourselves after that. And then you keep your fingers crossed that you had this, the kind of success that they had early in Burrow's career. Yeah, and you look at like a T. Higgins, and you look at some of the guys that they were able to direct. You know the, the the draft pieces that were used properly. They have to hit on them. You're right. So you got to analyze the talent at a certain level. But when you look at what Casario has done to this point, it's now going to change a little bit because it it has always been the notion that you have to be in search of your franchise quarterback, and you're hoping that Davis Mills might play to that level. Though you got him in the third round, all of a sudden you get C.J. Stroud. He comes on like nobody could have predicted. He now has wrapped up that spot for you. To now you say, okay. What else can he use immediately? Because the one thing you do if you want to use that as a model is you look at Cincinnati and go, now that I know that he's my guy, I'm even more hell-bent on the fact that I am not going to let him get crushed. That's why after taking 11 sacks in the first two weeks, I think they decided, hey, no matter what happens with the running game, we are going to make sure he is upright and he is medically able to play week to week and not crushed yep. like Joe Burrow. And they, 
I think that they've done that. Like you, They did it in the first two weeks, but I think that they've done it since, even with all the injuries you've had to the offensive line. Uh, I think whenever you start to – and it's going to be interesting this offseason, and I, I kind of hate having the offseason conversations now because the Texans are 500 and playing some pretty good football and have kind of a dark horse possibility of making the postseason. But I'm curious with the money that they spend, because I think the offense is a little better than the defense right now. With the money that they have to spend, is it like, okay, we're, our focus is going to be defense or our focus is going to be try to elevate Stroud, elevate this offense, and, and have a top seven offense in the NFL? It's interesting, too, Jeremy, because of the fact that if you get a Mike Evans on a shorter-term deal, that might be able to alter the fact that you can make commitments elsewhere. If you get... You know, yeah. you, you, if you also get guys that want to play here, because let's be honest, for the last several years, nobody wanted to come here unless the money was through the roof and more than they were going to make anywhere else. Now, because the word's getting out, because they're getting exposure and people are talking about Stroud and company, there are going to be guys, especially younger guys, that maybe feel like they're not getting used right where they're currently at. When they hit the market, they're going to be telling their agent, talk to Houston. I'd like to see if I could be a part of that puzzle growing forward because I fit that system or I would like to play with that player. Yeah. And that's interesting because that hasn't happened for years. I'm fascinated with Casario's approach with the money he has to spend. Like, Do you boost up the defense that, has, that, that needs some help or do you try to elevate everybody else that's around C.J. Stroud or do you count on C.J. Stroud to elevate everybody that's around him? Because we've seen a little bit of that. 713-780-3776. Uh, key from L.A. Teams go from worst to first all the time in the NFL, so it's possible. Uh, 3703. Brooks played good defensively. Braun had 18 points. Branham wants Brooks to score 20 and also play defense to be able to say he played good. Uh, it had nothing to do with the stats. I couldn't care less about the stats. To me, it was turnover, sloppy with the ball, forced some really bad shots, and got in foul trouble. That's why I let me, he didn't let me play add well. something to it. it had nothing to do with the scoring. I'll add, I'll add you another piece to it, too. There was immaturity and, gimmick, and, and all the gimmicky stuff outside of the game game itself, like mimicking LeBron and getting up in his grill and making it about – that's the last thing he needs to do yeah. right now. He just needs – he got the money. Yeah. He got the contract. He's got respect across the league that he's been losing. <laughs> just play your game, and everybody will talk about you for the right reason. And I, I like Dylan. Like, I, I like this. been a good I fit. like the personality. I kind of like the gimmicks that you're talking about, the shtick. I like the Dylan the villain, and he's sitting there, like, looking like the Undertaker before tip-off when the lights go out. I thought yesterday he got a little bit too – What's the right word? Like wrapped up in it? Maybe, yeah, too wrapped up in it. And I think that it led to some bad decisions offensively. I think it led to some bad shot selection. Like He's like like running into the lane, heaving it up with his offhand. Like, See, that's, that's where I'm at. If, if he can be the character as well as an effective yeah. member of this team offensively and defensively, so be it. We've seen plenty of guys from Rodman all the way up and down that can do their shtick and still be effective. But when it looks like it's taking him out of his game and his effectiveness, then there's no place for it. And him. to be fair, I think yesterday, it was the first time it's happened. He's been really good in every other game the Rockets have had this season. Uh, 713-780-3776. Killer Bees broadcasting live from the decoy in Spring Branch. Grand opening tomorrow. Free UFC on Saturday. Food for free tomorrow. Uh, all football all weekend here at the decoy in Spring. All right, I was looking at some of those uh, nerdy next-gen stuff. The, the Texans have a 39% chance uh, to make the playoffs. 39% chance to make the playoffs at the halfway point is blank. To you, the Texans' thirty-nine percent chance to make the playoffs at the halfway point means what to you? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer Bees, ESPN ninety seven five, ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, let's talk about the fact that we've been talking about that big game this weekend with Houston and Cincinnati. We know that there's college football, pro football, NBA basketball. The Rockets are playing well. You feel so good about them. You want to have some extra attachment. You want to put some money down. There's only one place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag. And the reason why I tell you to do 
that at mybookie.ag is because they take care of their customers all the time in a variety of different ways. They take care of you by making sure your money's safe and secure. They take care of you because they've been in business for over a decade, so they ain't going anywhere and neither is your cash. And they take care of you because they have all kinds of promotions going on where you can get extra money and you can get extra opportunities to play on games because of that extra money. Right now it's a match bonus. Go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code BET975. If you put anything up to $1,000 in between 50 and 1000 they'll double it. That means you put 50 bucks in, you've got 100 in your account. You put $1,000 in, you got two grand in your account. You get the idea. More money in your account means more games you can bet on and, of course, more chances you can win. My bookie also has live dealers standing by when there's not games going on, so you can still get into the gambling without having to worry about games, even if you're doing it in the middle of the night. They look for ways that they can take care of their customers, and that's why I speak for them. As I always tell you, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag, and use that promo code BET975. The Killer Bees have relocated their hive. It's at the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, which is currently located at the decoy. Let's join the boys, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. We are the boys, and we are at the decoy in Spring Branch, ahead of the grand opening tomorrow, uh, Saturday, Veterans Day. You know that if every day year-round, 15% off for all active and retired military here at the decoy in Spring Branch. Keep that in mind if you're ever in uh, Spring Branch and uh, you can take advantage of that. 713-780-ESPN. So I was looking, uh, just, you know, daily prep stuff. There, um, There's odds for teams to make the playoffs. Percentage chances, not Vegas odds. Okay. The Texans have a 39% chance to make the playoffs. This is the halfway point of the year. Week 9 is done. We're getting ready for Week 10, which hope the Houston Texans can fill the secondary on Sunday. Steven yeah. Nelson not expected to play. Jimmy Ward not expected to play. Derek Stingley Jr. probably a week away. I don't love that. Now, Chase and Higgins are also banged up and kind of questionable to see whether or not they play. If either one of those guys goes, I don't feel good about this game with all the injuries that they have. Yeah, look, the injuries mounted with the fact you're playing a damn good opponent that got off to a slow start with a quarterback that had a calf injury that knows they had ground to make up. And they're not only making it up, they're making it up in short order because they're talented. They're talented on both sides of the, uh, of the ball. They're battle-tested. They don't believe there's a team in this league that they can't play with or play better than. And so they're going to look at this game on the schedule, no matter what we've seen of the Texans. I'm sure they'll respect Houston, but they're thinking in their minds, this is another one for us to put in the W column and keep it moving on forward because we've got some ground to make up. Lamont says, I'm beginning to think I need to follow the Niners and how they operate with the injury report or how they deal with injuries in general. Part of me is beginning to think what the Texans are doing is strategy. Um, I would like you to expand on that. Yeah, I need, I need a little bit more there. I wonder if he's saying that the games that they miss is selective. I wonder if that's where he's going there. Expand on that, Lamont, because I'm interested to know where you're going there. Um, anyways, the, the Texans, according to CBS, have a 39% chance to make the playoffs at the halfway point. That's uh, way better than we thought at the start of the year. Uh, we probably, at this point, thought that there would be a 3% chance mm-hmm. or less, maybe greater than a 0% chance, but less than a 1% chance uh, for them to make the playoffs. The Texans with a 39% chance to make the playoffs at the halfway point is what to you? It is exciting. It is um, – there's a feeling now with everything that you've been through as a Texans fan and for us following this team, there is a feeling of anticipation on Sundays that we haven't had previously where we want to watch the games, we want to see the players, and we want to keep this thing going because of how entertaining it's been to watch this team for the first time in a long time. And, again, I keep saying this. These are mirror images, these two teams, Rockets, Texans. 
and, and we're seeing it again, where suddenly there is a, a Texans team that you're right. No one would have given a, a shot in hell's chance at this point in the season of still being in the playoff hunt, let alone having close to a 40% chance to get in. And now you're thinking, hey, you know what? I really want to see him play against the Cincinnati Bengals because before the last couple of years, you're like, God, there's a loss. They're going to get their doors blown off. Who the hell wants to watch that? Now you're thinking, now let's see the true barometer. Let's see where this team's at. Let's see how it sizes up with one of the best of the AFC. And we can get an even better barometer as to what we got, what we need, and where this team sits. 3316 is, I think it's insane. No one in Houston could have expected that number. Um, there was a couple of people that we thought were extreme homers that it would appear to be right. Uh, a couple of people on Twitter, uh, it's it's about right. Four and four has them pretty much on the cut line. And I think their second half is harder than the first, but not so much that it's a low number. I think their second half is pretty easy once their they get past Cincinnati. Now, they do have the Jets. They do have Cleveland. But once you get past this week, it, it does open up for you. Uh, Pablo on Twitter says it's a pleasant surprise. I, for me, it's encouraging. It's encouraging, yeah. and it gives you optimism for the future. I, I do want the Texans to make the playoffs because I think that you can learn lessons whenever, you, A, you're in the hunt, B, whenever you make the playoffs, C, when you get eliminated from the playoffs. Like, go look at these champions. Usually it takes them a bit of a climb after – falling short in previous seasons. So I want them to make it uh, because I think that there's valuable lessons to be learned from that. Now, I, if, if they don't, it's not going to be like this huge discouraging thing, this huge like, oh, I can't believe they had this big letdown. But being in the race, in the hunt at this point, gives me encouragement that the arrow's pointing up in this organization. Yes. And then the moment that you mentioned C.J. Stroud, it makes it a pretty easy answer as well. Yeah, and look, like you said, even if they didn't make it, it's not like they have their own pick this year anyway, and you're like, well, you know, we, we, we should embrace the suck for another year because we got a chance to, to get a higher draft pick. I mean, what you're doing right now and the way you're playing, you want to see them play as good a football as they can and get into the playoffs because there's things that we're using as kind of checkpoints and milestones as we see this progression going forward. If they would come back this soon from all this devastation of these last two coaches and this, these horrible rosters, and they would be able to check the box of playoff contender is one thing, but to get into the playoffs, but another thing to say, made playoffs, I mean, this soon after being this bad, you can't help but say, man, this is a team that I'm going to love watching for the next five years because they are, on the, they are ascending upward. The arrow is pointing upward. And with every, everything that, every move that they make, we're not thinking about, oh, God, here's another thing everybody's going to make for, fun for, of them nationally for because they're an embarrassment. This is another step in the right direction with everything that say, they seem to do. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. I think you bring up a good point, too. Like, uh, Dizzle says that this Texan team is, a, is ahead of schedule for the rebuild. It's a, it's a good time to be alive in this city. Oh, man. Whenever you're, if you're a sports fan of the city's teams, and you should be. Uh, the Rockets, Arrow, tw- trending up. We, we got into great detail about that earlier. Like, their first game in relevancy in a while. Uh, the Houston Texans have a franchise quarterback. And we can, like, it's fun whenever you're debating, well, where is he amongst the NFL? Is he top five? Is he top ten? Like, let's take the bottom side of that conversation. Cool, he's topped in as a rookie. It means you have a franchise quarterback. I don't think the Astros are going anywhere either. If you're a Cougar like me, go Cougs. First year of the Big 12, basketball season getting underway, you're fighting for a bowl. Like, this is this is a good time to be a sports fan in Houston because a couple of the teams that have let you down the last few years are trending up. And the Astros have kind of done some questionable stuff. But I still don't think that they're going to take a huge dive from the top tier of Major League Baseball. You're, taking it, you're talking about a baseball team that just got done losing in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series. 
and even if they lose a couple of relief pitchers and, and, and you know, a, a, a quote-unquote backup catcher, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be in the mix yet again for your eighth straight season, which is an unbelievable run that it's just – that's why we're calling them a dynasty because you just don't see that in Major League Baseball. And then you talk about these two other franchises that were mirror images of suck for so long now seem to both at the right time be heading straight upward with all kinds of possibilities, anticipation, and excitement. It's great to be a Houston sports fan right now because of the fact that it's all-encompassing. And like you mentioned, look, you got a national championship game coming in football. You know, you just got off a of Final Four. You've got the Cougs doing what, they, what they're doing in basketball where everyone loves and talks about the Cougs during college basketball season. Dynamo in the playoffs for the first time in a while. Against Salt Lake. Every single time you turn your, your head, it's not like, oh, that team, I haven't caught up with them because they're not very good. Seemingly, almost in every aspect of sports, you've got a positive thumbs-up story going on within your city, and that's, that's refreshing in itself. Edgar says uh, completely realistic uh, for the Texans to be in that conversation too of the uh, the postseason. Uh, to me, like Sunday's Sunday's game to me is kind of a, a throwaway. Um, like you lose it to me, it's not the it's not the end of the world. Like you're at Cincinnati, you're not expected to win that game anyways. Um, and with all these injuries, like I kind of go into it like it's all gravy. Like you're playing with the house's money. I don't I expect to win at all. You go into Cincinnati, you win that game. You're you're playing with house's money. So it's not going to influence what I think of the Texans if they no, get beat thirty one to thirteen in that game. How they lose if they lose? I disagree because of because of the personnel. I expect to be gone. I still think that from a fan's perspective, especially with what we deal with mostly. The fact is, if they get their doors blown off, mm-hmm. then every, there's going to be a, a good population of the fan base that's going to be like, man, th- th- that shouldn't have happened. Maybe if it's more on the offensive side of the ball. Like if, if Stroud puts up a dud. But like if, if you're without all these secondary Safety pieces and, yep. and Chase and Higgins both play and you give up 38 points, yeah, I mean, you probably should give up 38 points if you're down three starters in your secondary. Yeah, but if they're competitive, if they stay in this ball game. Yeah. Win or loss doesn't matter. If they take it into the fourth quarter and it's a one-possession one yeah. game and, and people are, are looking at this and, and sitting there going, they got a shot, coming out of it, win or loss, they're going to be like, yeah, this Texans team is for real now because they hung with the Bengals and they showed everybody that it isn't a fluke. What they're doing is real and they're going to keep moving it forward. 3703 says the Texans were projected to win six or seven games this season. They have four. Where's the surprise? Well, they're on pace for more than that. Uh, that would be about him as a playoff. Game. <laughs> that would be the surprise. Uh, Killer Bees broadcasting live from the Decoy and Spring Branch tomorrow. The grand opening. They're giving away free food starting at five from Roostar, which is great food. So if you're looking for a free dinner, also they're giving away Rockets tickets. Giving away four tickets to a game of your choice. So make sure you're out here. Grand opening at the Decoy in Spring Branch tomorrow. Uh, giving away Rocket tickets. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. I think the Astros already know who their manager is. Who is it? And why do all the clues lead that direction? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, guys, before we go to the break, I want to tell you about the good people at Allstate Siding and Windows. And I tell you about them because they know what they're doing in siding and windows. And those are two very important things when your most important investment is your house. Because when you want that house to be strong, you want that house to be secure, you want that house to do the kind of things from an energy perspective that will make sure that you are cool in the, in, the, in the summertime and absolutely stay warm in the wintertime and can also take and, and protect you during all of hurricane season, that's why you go to Allstate Siding and Windows because they take care of you every step of the way. They've been in business for over four decades. They, it's a family-owned and operated business that absolutely focuses on you as a customer, and they're going to make sure that they have 
all things going your way, which means they have constant deals going on. They have a way to take care of you in, in a multitude of ways, including nine months same as cash, 12 months interest free and all kinds of other ways that they're going to make sure that the deal is worthwhile for you. So when you think about doing anything for your house, yeah, painting's nice, yeah, some things for the yard and landscaping, the most important thing is making sure that you keep it looking good and it's safe and it's tight and it's going to keep the energy in. That's why you go to allstatesidingandwindows.com and check them out and tell them I sent you by. I just ordered my windows. I could not be happier with the service and all the, the ways that they explain to me what to get and why because of Mary and her staff and the fact that they take care of Houstonians. Allstate, Siding, and Windows.com. And you're back with the Killer Bees inside the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Decoy. Here are the Bees Knees themselves, Joel and Jeremy. And behave. <laughs> Regulation sand volleyball courts here at the uh, the decoy in Spring Branch. The grand openings tomorrow. They're having a happy hour from Roostar. Complimentary food starting at 5. Four rocket tickets uh, to a game of your choice. Rockets ticket giveaway. So you got to be here for that. No cover. UFC 295 on Saturday. That's uh, unbelievable. Everybody charges cover. Not here. Not the decoy in Spring Branch. And while you're here, make sure you're taking advantage of those beer and mimosa towers. Uh, a great time to be had for everybody. Uh, 713-780-ESP at HRMP Listener Line. 713-780-3776. So the Astros still haven't hired a manager. Uh, a lot of teams have hired a manager. The Cubs hired Council. We know that uh, yesterday the Angels hired Ron Washington. There's some staffs that are completing their entire staffs. Like, they're announcing their entire staffs. Uh, The Astros are still looking for a manager. I don't know how you feel about this, Blankers, but I I get the feeling that they already know who their manager is. I feel like they already are very confident who their manager is, and I think their manager is – I mean, it's not, like, splashy. It's not anything that's going to draw any sort of controversy. I think it's Joe Espada. I think think they know he's their manager. Yeah, I think you see Vote. Stephen Vote got the the job in, in Cleveland. Um, you know, subtly and not so subtly, uh, Ron Washington got hired yesterday by the Angels. Uh, you see some of the names that were trying to throw their name into the Houston hat uh, as well, kind of falling by the wayside and getting picked up. And, and the Astros don't seem to be batting an eye or worried about anything. So regardless of kind of the details that went into how we got here, if there was a promise, if there were discussions, if there weren't, Dana Brown, who keeps on just having diarrhea of the mouth <laughs> and everybody's trying to figure out what the heck is, you know, what's up and what's down. I don't think any of it matters. I think there's no need to get that big, sexy name and rock the boat in any way, shape, or form. you got a guy in-house that knows how they've done it, when they've done it at their best, and he probably will make sure that they keep doing it, for the most part, the same kind of way. So why would you rock the boat and change? You don't have to go out and compete. And I also don't think Jim Crane wants to compete with the $8 million a year that Council no. got. And I think that you know it checks all the boxes from Crane's perspective. Got a guy that knows the players, the system, the clubhouse, how things have been done, and also isn't going to car- charge me an arm and a leg to continue to get his managerial debut. I don't think a manager's worth that much. I don't either. Like, I, the difference between, like, I don't even think Craig Council is the best manager in baseball. I don't either. Like, the difference between an $8 million manager and, like, a $4 million manager, I don't think is all that big a deal. So I don't, I don't, I don't hate that Crane's not – I'll criticize Crane if he doesn't spend money on his players this, this offseason, the roster this offseason. I won't be critical of him – not spending money on the manager. Uh, 409, Josh, how did Ron Washington get another job? I, I think Ron Washington's a good manager. I, I would not have hated Ron Washington here at all, uh, quite frankly. I think he can uh, he gets things done. I think he kind of gets after you a little bit. Now, maybe that's something the, Rock- the Astros don't need, kind of gets in your tell a little bit. Um, there was this quote the other day. You mentioned Dana Brown, kind of diarrhea of the mouth. And, 
you know, I like Chandler Rome. Sometimes Chandler Rome likes to stir some stuff up. Uh, Brown said the other day, we, in, in regards to his spot, uh, we hold the keys to permission. We have to go through this process before we can allow Joe to go interview because what if he goes there and gets the job? That's pulling from our guys. If we don't hire him and they're still looking for a manager and they request permission, he would definitely be a guy we would say, hey, yeah, you can go talk to him. Problem with that is that Joe, that a spot is a free agent. <laughs> yeah, he's not under contract. He's not under contract, so they don't hold the keys to him. But this is this is why I kind of feel like why would Dana Brown say we hold the keys to him? Because you know that you're hiring him. You know that he he you've told him you're our guy. You know that he's given you his commitment. He might have given you commitment even before this offseason in the past whenever he was interviewing for all these other jobs. I think Dana Brown saying we hold the keys to permission was basically a clue that yeah, Joe Espada is our next manager. Yeah, it's not an if, it's a when, and it's going to be up to us to decide at a certain point if we say, hey, Joe, I, you know, for whatever reason, whatever we talked about in the past, we're going to look to go in another direction. But until they don't, then they do have the keys because it seems like just the, the, the worst-kept secret in baseball that he's just going to pick up where Dusty left off and take, try to take this team to the next level. Yeah, it's uh, now. I mean, some of this stuff is weird. And like Joe brought up the good point yesterday, which you know, few and far between. But he brought up the good point yesterday. He's like, well, why wouldn't they just hire him then? Like, why wouldn't they just already do it? What are they waiting for? What What is the like, what is the game plan there? What is the goal whenever you're – yeah, he's your guy, but you're waiting a week or two before you hire him. Like, what are you gaining there? It's a typical sports move, though, Jeremy, whether it's right or wrong is for everybody to discuss. But it's always like if, if we know who we got and we don't have to make the decision right away, let's hold out a little bit just to make sure that we cross our T's, dot our I's, and we're not missing out on somebody yeah. or someone doesn't fall into our lap and say, hey, I, you know – not, not not using A.J. Hinch personally, but an A.J. Hinch type situation where you don't think maybe he can even get out of his contract and suddenly his agent reaches out to you and says, for you guys, we can get out. We need to do this and this and this. And suddenly you've got another name in the mix. I think that that's why they're not going to quick sell this and get it done quickly because they already know if no other name surfaces or none of those situations arise, we got our guy. Yeah. But we also don't want to jump the gun too much in case something does jump into our lap. I threw out the theory yesterday that it could be just trying to give off the illusion that they're doing their due diligence, that they're crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's. And Dana Brown even talked about how they have this big pool of candidates and they're not even going to interview all of them. Like, why are you putting together a pool of candidates and then you're not going to interview all of your entire pool of candidates? There's no Rooney rule in baseball, right? Uh, so then there's no, like, minimum number of uh, interviews you have to go through. I don't or believe so. If there's not, then I, I don't think that that makes, you know, a whole hell of a lot of sense. No, but it's just weird to be like, yeah, we have ten candidates, but we're going to interview four of them. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you have a, play, well, a manager pool of four? Like, it's kind of weird how they're conducting business, but at the end of the day, you get the right guy, it doesn't matter. Another theory that I've had is maybe they're, like, doing right by Joe Espada, and they're like, Joe, let's see what the free agent market is for managers and see how much they're getting paid, and then we're going to give you something that's like, you know, an average or fair market value. Um, Dizzle with a good point. Look, I'm not, you know, in the business business. He says, I feel like the Astros have waited too long to make some really important hires. That's on Crane. He's from the corporate world, slow to hire, quick to fire. Uh, says that's not always a good thing. That, that makes sense. Like, that, that theory makes sense to me where you have a business-minded owner who maybe works by the adage of slow to hire, quick to fire, and it's just the way that they conduct business. That, that, that does make some sense. I, I worked for one of those owners, and yeah. I can tell you it, it really does just muddle up the process because 
when they think that it's just like business and they don't want to pay. Like, for your, let's say, for example, what you said about interviews. Why wouldn't you interview all 10 of them? Yeah. I worked for an owner that said, but then I got to pay for 10 airline tickets and 10 hotel rooms huh. and 10 dinners, and I'm not into all that. This is an owner that used to go through the Federal, I mean, the, the FedExes and the American Express cards and go, why did we spend this on that when he's worth you know, billions of dollars, and he's worried about why we spent $800 on a flight. Yeah. Some owners just can't get that business concept out of their head. I would hope Crane's not to that right. level, but you just never know. But if he was, like, let's say he's not to that level, but he had a really good idea of who his manager's already going to be, then why are you bringing in six other candidates? Yeah. Like, if you feel like Joe Espada is going to be your guy, then why are you bringing in six other candidates and paying – you know, six grand to, to fly them in and then wine them and dine them. Uh, but the, the latest Vegas odds on the Astros' new manager, it's one to ten that it's Joe Espada. Like, that is, that is unbelievable. Like, you wouldn't play that because you're getting no. absolutely no value. So it's one to ten odds. No one else that we know of has interviewed for this job. There's been one person that's interviewed for this job. It was Joe Espada. They've already ruled out other internal candidates. They said he'd be the only one that they've interviewed internally. Okay, well, why? If you're doing this long, like, wide search and casting this wide net. And then Ron Washington, who he has ties with Dana Brown. He was rumored that if the Astros went out of house that they would hire Ron Washington. Look, I know Ron Washington isn't going to say no to a managerial job, but if he had a pretty good feeling that he had a shot – at the Astros job, I think he at least waits to interview. Well, you think that except for other jobs start drying up and, and getting and, and hiring. And if you're Ron Washington at his age and the fact that he's been there, done that a few times around the block, he's got to worry about, am I going to get another opportunity? So he can't afford to wait as long. But at the same time... But if he felt confident that he had a really good shot to get it, I could see him at least waiting for Slow play it a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah. But I mean... Maybe, you know, I think that all of the arrows are pointing in the direction of Joe Espada, no matter how many tea leaves you try to read through. It's just, if you already know it to that point, then it is the question of why not just get it done. Yeah. And I don't know if they're waiting, thinking that someone might just be a home run candidate they, they were, you know, they weren't thinking of or wasn't, they didn't think were, was available, because otherwise they should already have done it. My theory is that it's Espada. I don't know why they're waiting. But I, I have confidence it's him. Seven eight six nine. Maybe it's Crane who's waiting to see who comes available. Uh, yet Dana Brown doesn't want to interview anyone else. I mean, who else is coming available at this point? Like you, you kind of know what's out there. Like, you know, it would be bizarre if if Kevin Cash became available, or you know, guys that that you thought were just going to be locked into their situation decided, hey man, the situation it's run its course. It's not for me anymore. And then you see a mutual parting of the ways. But short of a mutual parting of the ways, which are very, very few and far between, what's going to happen that's going to say, you know, if Dave Roberts gets fired tomorrow by the Dodgers, who cares? Yeah, that's not the right fit. No. A poor Marine says waiting to make this show stress. We think it's Joe Espada. Like, it's no, no stress here, uh, poor Marine. Uh, also, it is kind of weird, though, that all these other teams are filling out the stats and the Astros are still waiting uh, to, to hire their manager. 409, Josh says, the longer it goes without hiring Joe, the more I think Bagwell's working to get his boys an interview behind the scenes. I think if, I think if Bagwell wanted to do that, it would have already been done, though. You know what yep. I mean? Like, he, it would already, Osmus would have already interviewed. Yeah, especially if he's your boy, right? I mean, it's going to be, hey, whether you're doing it just as a, a solid yeah. or you're really considering him a candidate, it's one of the easiest – First, first interviews you do because you know a lot about him already. Everybody knows his background from a player being here, what he's done in the past. Baggy knows him better than just about anybody. Why not just make him one of your first interviews? And then if after the fact you go, we should have asked managers this or we should be focused on this part of getting their background and what they think of this. Yeah, it should have been the first kind of dry run for any other managerial interview. 
a wheat straw there, obviously doing y'all a solid and waiting to give y'all more radio content. It's a good point, wheat straw. We are the killer bees after all, so maybe Bagwell's looking out for us. All the clues stack up to me. Brandon T., it's 100% Joe Espada. Yeah, at this point, I'd be stunned if it's not. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, Killer Bees broadcasting live from the Decoy and Spring Branch ahead of their grand opening tomorrow where they're giving away four Rockets tickets to any game of your choice. Compliments of Tito's homemade, uh, handmade vodka, so you got to get out of here, uh, try to qualify, win some of those Rocket tickets. And while you're here, you get free food from Roostar starting at uh, 5 p.m., your spot to watch football all weekend long. Also your spot Saturday night to watch UFC 295 with no cover. All right, Lee Sterling. Paramount Sports, winning week last week. He's going to hand out some winners when we return. you got to get some free money uh, from our boy Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. That's up next, Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.